Hello, and a very warm welcome to a new episode of World Build, brought to you by World Architecture News from Alison and Nav. Before I announce the guest for today's episode, we have an important announcement to make. The 2022 WAN Awards and WIN Awards are open for entry. They recognise the outstanding works of visionary architects and designers worldwide, shining a spotlight on innovative designs from around the globe. To apply for the WIN Awards, head to worldinteriorsnewsawards.com for the discounted early bird rate, which ends on the 21st of April, and head to wanawards.com to enter before the early bird deadline of April the 13th. So joining us for today's episode, we have Patricia Viel and Roberto Mariani from ACPV Architects, Antonio Citerio Patricia Viel, who are here to discuss designing offices optimised for hybrid working and well-being. There's a growing realisation about the importance of well-being, both at home and at work. And architects and designers are being tasked post-pandemic to provide environments that support and allow people more freedom and enjoyment during their working days. But before we begin, Alison, I think there was something you wanted to say. Here at World Architecture News, we want to make sure listeners are up to date with all the latest global trends. So to help us all, we called in Hannah, our resident trend spotter, to talk to us about all things new And this week, she's explaining maximalism. Although there's no strict definition for maximalism, it can be summarised nicely by the more is more approach. It layers contrasting patterns, colours and textures to create a characterful, bold aesthetic. Wallpaper across every wall, even the ceiling, intricately designed floor tiles and boldly painted furniture all contribute to a maximalist interior. Maximalism isn't a new design approach, My research indicates its resurgence in 2022 is to do with the world recovering from the pandemic. It's a celebration of our freedom and gradual return to normality. Cluttercore, meanwhile, is a supplementary element of maximalism, which sees people bring warmth into their homes by adding a plethora of mismatched sentimental ornaments with different styles and from different eras. It's thought to be the ultimate contrast to working life a rejection of the minimalist interiors of our office space. And if you head to worldarchitecturenews.com, you can read all about a project featuring maximalism, titled Group DCA Designs Maximalist Restaurant for New Delhi. So, Patricia and Roberto, thank you so much for joining us today. My understanding of well-being, specifically in the workplace, is that the office environment should promote good health through the creation of a functional and flexible space that enhances the relationship between employees and their environment. But could this perhaps be different depending on what country you are designing for? My name is Patricia Viel. I'm the founding partner of ACPV Architects. We are an Italian firm based in Milano. It could be very different, of course, but this is mostly due because of the, uh, the role of a working activity could have in different cultures. What is actually very much embedded in our way of life in Europe, for instance, is that uh, working is not only our way to express ourselves, but is uh, actually one of the way to spend our time living. We are, in a certain way, I would say, very, very much 
advanced in the kind of relationship that we have with the idea of having tasks or goals or purposes, which is not always the same, the same in, our, in our countries. And what would you say are perhaps the three most critical elements that need to be considered or included when designing an office space revolving around well-being? This is something that uh, has been changing a lot uh, in the past two years for the, for the reason that everybody knows. Today, for sure, the main element that is uh, critical and, and should be very carefully designed in a workplace is the capability to, to gather, to be together, to exchange, to enrich the experience of working together with the help and uh, contribution from other, other people. So somehow the social dimension of working in a place is probably in this moment the main element, element to be improved and, uh, and designed. Besides that, I think that the um, quality of the views, the natural light, the sounds, a quote of uh, joyful uh, element surrounding you uh, will be also very, very critical. So somehow um, I would say that is less about architecture, if I may, even less about interior design. It's not, it's not about uh, object or, or a well-designed chair. It's really more about uh, the overall environment that a designer is capable to build. And how easy would you say it is to match well-being elements with sustainability? It, it will be easy when sustainability will be considered for what it is. So something that is very, very much uh, integrating a lot of different things. And this means that uh, probably spending uh, less time facing a screen and maybe trying to speak and to exchange more and to concentrate more intensively within a collaborative activity and that is somehow very much going in the direction of uh, a very sustainable uh, life, using less energy, using less uh, transportation, uh, using less devices, and really rely on the fact that we can be together at the same time in some place. But of course, integrating this with digitalization, which is a very, very strong leverage for sustainability. And how does applying well-being elements into an office building affect the cost of the designs and the operation? Has any research gone into this? I'm Roberto Mariani, Senior Project Director. Of course, designing an agile office requires a certain investment that is uh, let's say, higher than a regular traditional office. But it's an investment that in the mid-long term is financially beneficial for the company in terms of higher productivity of people working there and mostly stronger attachment of people to the company. So if you see it in the short term, of course, it's more expensive, but in the long term, it has a very positive return. And as Patricia mentioned earlier, the pandemic has brought on so many different changes. Has designing for well-being changed as well as a result? I think that changes are, as a whole, related to quality. As Roberto was saying, yes, we need to spend more for uh, working spaces, but also because we need to, to make them more attractive more intensively responding to, to the needs uh, of people, somehow compensating what is not available at home or anywhere else, but um, taking in consideration that uh, we are not only working when we are together within an organization. 
This means that working place will be in better condition in terms of wear, in terms of surroundings, in terms of accessibility, in terms of relationship with green areas. It means that uh, facade and openings and accessibility to outdoor spaces will be demand. And of course, it also means that uh, some kind of really high standard in terms of design and quality of the spaces is then required because destination will be somehow strictly related to a very special moment in our life. So it's, it's not anymore uh, something that we just use as a commodity every day, but something that is meant to host very special uh, moments. And Roberto, I was wondering if you could tell us how easy is it to apply well-being into adaptive reuse projects? Well, I've been involved in a renovation project for several years concerning the former headquarter of the Italian State Mint in Rome, which is a building from the beginning of 20th century that has been reconverted into an office building. Of course, it's quite challenging to find the right balance between the need for preservation, for preservation of listed buildings and the requirements of well international building standards. But however, it's, uh, it's very interesting to, to notice and point out that uh, very often historical buildings are more compliant with well standards than some modern buildings built, for example, in the 60s or 70s. Issues like the use of natural lighting, the quality of spaces, the high performance of the walls were already things very well known and carefully considered in ancient buildings that we are just reconsidering today. So somehow it's a knowledge that architects already had in the past and in the recent past has been a bit lost. So the, there's a lot we can learn actually from ancient buildings more than from recent modern buildings. That's a really interesting point, Roberto, that older, more traditional elements in a building are now being revisited. One thing you mentioned earlier was that building for well-being is more expensive. And I just wondered if you can outline which bits are more expensive and where the increased costs are coming from? Well, okay. Uh, first of all, the well-building standard forces you to use uh, finishes, particular finishes and materials that have a life cycle assessment uh, quality, which means that its all materials can, uh, can be recycled so they have a second life after production. Of course, this kind of materials that are also sustainable materials are a bit more costly. There's an increase in cost in the, in the lighting because in order to maximize the natural lighting, there is particular lighting fixtures who adjust their power according to the intensity of natural lighting. And of course, this kind of lighting is a, is a bit more expensive than normal regular retail lighting. So there is an increase of cost, but, uh, but again, it's, it's a sort of investment. Yeah, and I also guess for those building owners, they're going to get tenants that are happier with a building that is built in a more sustainable way, which will benefit the well-being of their staff. Yes, and there is also another side of uh, financial benefit that when you have an agile uh, work setting, of course, people who can work in a certain area, it's larger than in a traditional work setting. With agile work, we don't speak anymore about headcount. 
means that we don't have one desk for each person. But because of new work setting like desk sharing and smart working, the same space can be used by more people, which of course is a, it's a saving in terms of real estate investment. So how do you make the agile working concept work effectively for a company? How do you work out what space is needed? Okay, the best definition, I think, for agile work is the concept of activity-based working. In a traditional work setting, you have your own individual assigned desk where you carry out all your activities. In an activity-based working scenario, for each activity, there is a dedicated space with different characteristics. That uh, And all these spaces are shared by people, it means that they're not assigned to someone but everybody can use it. And of course, you need to have an enabling technology like booking systems and things like this. But there is a much more efficiency in the use of space because the focus is the activity and not the person anymore. Okay, and this is similar, I'm guessing, to hybrid working, as we would call it in the UK, where people can work in the office for a certain amount of time and then they work from home. Is that something that's included in agile working? Yes, what we are noticing is that there's basically two main big groups of activity. The individual activity that is more and more moving outside of the office. So at home, but not only at home, can be made in a park, in a pub, in a bar, whatever you want. And there's another big family of activity that is increasing in terms of percentage of hours, which is the collaborative activity, which is team activities where you need to deal with other people, with your colleagues. Okay, thank you. Um, If I could just go back to you, Patricia, at this point, can you tell us a bit more about the Symbiosis Project? What is it and why, why was it started? Symbiosis was uh, started in 2010 or something like that. So it's a very, very long process today. It's a project that is transforming a very large area on the south side of Milano. And this is, uh, I would say, one of its qualities because uh, Milano traditionally has been uh, developing more north and northwest so Symbiosis, it, it has been one of the first big projects uh, pushing the development of the city down to the south. And that means that we are somehow creating a new center. It's a big project, uh, 100,000 uh, square meter of floor area. The uh, master plan is actually developing an area that is a kilometer long and connecting the historical border of the city towards the more agricultural kind of neighborhoods in Milan. We are the designer of the master plan and we have been designing a major part of the buildings, but the buildings are not only from us. So there is a multiple hand that is creating the urban landscape that we are building there. And the, uh, the element that has been very, very much the game changer of this master plan is the treatment of the common grounds that has been maintained the pedestrian. So there is no crossing uh, vehicular circulation in the area. So when you say it's a new way of designing with a very open approach and supporting people living in the area and also ensuring their ability to get about easily, would that be correct? It is correct. It is correct. The, uh, the, uh, actually, the design is very engaging. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to also hear your descriptions of buildings being lifted, as it were. So the ground floors are very open, which I guess encourages light and movement in these buildings. And I think it's one of the, the components of the building that you were directly involved in, in this project. Can you explain a little bit more about the ideas that you had behind the design for Building D? Building D was, uh, since the beginning, a very special uh task for for the master plan and for the program because uh, uh, we agreed uh, with uh, with our client to enrich the composition with a very very significant public space which is an auditorium so in order to create a very deep connection in between the uh, the working platforms of the building Together with the auditorium, the internal square, the internal courtyard, which is a very large open space on the ground floor, has been very openly connected with the the public spaces uh, around the building. So what is interesting in in building uh, D is the fact that uh, the public, uh, public city, the public realm, is very much integrated in the building at the point that is quite difficult to understand the border in between private and public for that specific building because there is a level of publicity if you if you want of a shared area not only in between the public realm outside the building but also inside and and what do you think are the most important elements when you're designing a sustainable urban district First of all, for us, it's very important to develop and improve the city where we work in, but not change completely the surrounding. So what we really try to do is to preserve the identity of the place where we work and creating an opportunity of, uh, of improving and evolution and changes, but not losing identity and we try to optimize as much as possible the uh, occupied urban space in a way that uh, the efficiency would leave us the freedom to maintain distances and space re-deliver uh, available uh, and shared space for for the community so again is uh, for us uh, the the relationship with the city the ability to create uh, urban uh, environment with the flexible and welcoming uh, atmosphere is, is even more important than architectural design. And when you talk about a building's identity, what does it mean to you? Is it, is it the look? Is it the feel? Is it the proportion or the use of the building? I would say that you need, this is very difficult to explain because it's somehow the, the magic recipe that every architect's uh, has in his experience uh, the capability to understand the quintessence of uh, of an environment right in the case of symbiosis the uh, the idea was to maintain the industrial memory of this area in the south of milano was uh, heavily industrial but uh, populated by uh, industry and manufacturers that was uh, not embedded with technology so the buildings were was heavy was uh, uh, with large fenestration but fenestrations uh, no curtain walls no glassy kind of uh, volumes very very small uh, presence of uh, residential component if then uh, uh, existing much more rural than, than urban so somehow we 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 have been trying to maintain this look 
which is uh, for us uh, somehow dictating simplicity, recognizable materials, materiality, contrast in between uh, heaviness and lightness of the building, solidity, but transparency, and so on and so forth. It's, it's difficult to, to explain. Yes, thank you. I, I think you've done a very good job explaining that. And I can understand why you would want to keep the energy and the atmosphere of an area, but transfer it into buildings that can be used in a more joyous fashion as we go through the years. Can I go back to you now, Roberto, and ask you to explain the building as a city concept? Uh, well, this concept is uh, strictly related with the activity-based work concept because when you design a building according to activity-based working, of course, this building becomes sort of a city where you have a dedicated areas for all your daily necessities and needs. It's not only a workplace or a place where you go to work, but it's also a place where you meet people where you have areas for relaxing, eating and drinking. You even have areas for doing sports. In our recent office projects, there's always a, a fitness dedicated area. And most of all, there, e there are places for learning. Agile work is uh, it's also a place where you continue, continuously develop your skills. And because of the higher degree of contamination, you also learn from others in a continuous and, and global progress of the workforce. So in, in this way, we see the, these kind of buildings as a small cities. That's a very comfortable idea, isn't it? That you go to a place and you can then do many of the things that you want to do in a working day in the same place without the need to travel elsewhere. That's what I'm, I'm understanding from this, that everything you need is in one place. The fitness areas, for example, how popular are they in real life? In some countries like Sweden, some in some contracts, you are actually forced to have one hour of fitness during your working day. And even the well-building standard uh, suggested you to design the office in a way to encourage, for example, the use of stairs or the use of a bike, because uh, you get some points if you have... Um, parkings for bikes. In other cases, we even have a running circuit on the roof of the building where people can go jogging on the open air. So movement is actually a big part of, uh, of well-being. And the best definition of well-being uh, is what is given by the well-building standard that considers well-being a global approach that is involving both the um, mental well-being, physical well-being and social well-being most of all. So it's really a holistic approach to all areas of the person. Yeah, I think that's a very sound idea, isn't it? You move, you learn, and you also work at the same time. It does sound a lot healthier than what we tend to do, which is come in, sit down and go home. Um, it does add an element of movement, which, as you say, I, I think is very important. Have there been any surprises or challenges that you have come across while trying to or while designing a building for a better approach to wellness? Design-wise, not much, but we believe that the biggest challenge is to communicate this new way of working to people who will have to use this building. Because somehow you have to fight against a very uh, strong habits that people have in the traditional work setting. 
and not often they understand the improvement of this revolution. And it's really hard to overcome this uh, resistance coming from the habits. And do you think that the movement towards more of an appreciation of well-being was in place before the pandemic and has accelerated? Or do you think that something has come out of the pandemic and now we're really all more aware of our surroundings? What the pandemic is accelerating is actually the penetration of Uh, digital tools in our day-by-day life. And that's changed a lot the sense of of ownership that everyone uh, has now uh, regarding his everyday life. And the fact that the office is a village, is a a place where to do things, not only to work, but also maybe to access to to some services that would help you in your your family life, is probably the add-on. But the sense of uh, the need, uh, fresh air, bright light, possibility of being outside, space, uh, the, uh, the option to use different spaces in, uh, in the building it is something that was, that was in place uh, before. And the pandemic uh, uh, just, uh, just uh, accelerated this in a way that is now uh, really part of the overall strategy for the organization in order to, to grow and to improve uh, the quality of the outcomes. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a much clearer vision now, isn't there, about what is important and what will make people go into an area that they will want to work in. So thank you very much for your time today, both of you. It's been really interesting listening to these, these ideas. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. We welcome your feedback on the podcast. So please aim all your comments to waneditorial at haymarket.com. You can listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. So follow, download and join us. Thank you.